Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, there is plenty to talk about. The Pokemon Company International just revealed the information for the 2024 season, what you need to do to qualify for the World Championships. They released the dates for a bunch of regional championships and tons more info. We'll give our thoughts on that. In this episode, we'll also be talking about Obsidian Flames, which is coming out in just under two weeks. Pre-releases were this past weekend. Hopefully you had some good pulls. It seems like everyone on Twitter that I saw pulled the Secret Rare Alternate Art Charizard. Like, literally everyone already has that card before the set <laughs> even came out. We'll, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment. And then we'll close out this episode doing our World Championship Meta Forecast, talking about what we like or what we don't like about each of the top meta decks. We'll give some of our opinions on the tech cards that we feel like people should be including or maybe should be leaving out going into the world's biggest tournament. And then, of course, we'll have our bonus episode over on the Patreon if you want to check out that extra bonus episode you can do so by supporting us over on patreon the link is in the description and you can find it at patreon.com slash uncommon energy podcast my name is chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my friend and co-host azul gg what's up azul how we doing man <laughs> doing pretty good chip uh had a pretty chill week uh just you know same old content stuff uh it felt good like i said this last week as well it feels good to just be able to like be consistently doing that um, so yeah, my week was pretty uh pretty straightforward, not a whole ton going on, but uh yeah, just getting ready for uh I guess worlds. Yeah, there's a lot coming up, right? We got worlds coming up, then Obsidian Flames is out, it comes out literally the week of worlds, so that'll be yep. around when we get back from worlds. So yeah, a lot of lot and then we just got all those new information. So a lot of exciting stuff in general happening in the in the Pokemon space. Um, but where what were you up to this week? Do you have any cups or challenges or pre-releases or no, had a pretty chill weekend at home, did some work in the yard, um, not too much going on. I did, I've already started playing this game, but I like put like a few hours in it over the last, you know, week since our last podcast, uh, playing the, uh, the Spider-Man game on PS5, I guess it was like originally on the PS4. I played it back when it first came out in 2018 for just a little bit, but like, was really busy at the time for some reason, just like didn't ever get super into it, but I've been playing it now. Super fun game. It reminds me a lot of like the Spider-Man two game on PS two that I had way back in the day when I was a kid, that game is one of my favorite video games um, from my childhood. So it like reminds me of that just like the free exploring the city, swinging around as Spider-Man. It's pretty sweet. And the new one is coming out this fall. So I'm hoping I can finish this game play spider-man miles morales and then get them both beaten before the new one comes out i think it's like october sometime maybe i don't actually remember for sure but hopefully i can just get it both of them done before then i've actually like taken a back my gaming is like taking a back seat like i got i remember when we were talking about like getting uh our ps5s like at the same time basically yeah uh and then i was playing... you bought a ps5 which made me kind of want a yeah. ps5 and so i went and bought a ps5 <laughs> yeah. and i feel like yeah, i've I, been I... playing mine more than you've been playing yours yeah, I, like I was playing it because I was playing. I was like, I would like, I beat God of War one, and I was like pretty thorough. I almost did it, like not quite a hundred percent, but I'm pretty close to hundred percent it. I could go back and finish it. And then I started God of War two, played a decent amount of that, and then I also beat uh, was it Jedi Fallen Order? But then I like just started the new Jedi game, and then I 
probably halfway through God of War 2, but I haven't played on my PS5 in like over a month now, it feels like. So Jeez. Yeah, just kind of just the content grind has kind of taken over post NAIC, um, which is a good thing. And yeah, I've just been playing Hearthstone Battlegrounds in my free time. That's what the one that's been taking my free time. I've gotten like back into just playing. I go like back and forth on that, depending on what the sure metagame is and that. Uh, I think I'm at 8K. It's the first time I've ever been to 8K. Usually I'm sitting around seven. I have no um, frame of reference if that's high or low, but I just hear you guys talk I th- about. Like, I think it what... starts getting serious around like 10k. Like that's okay. uh, that's like my that's what I think. But I think I've seen people up to like 14k as well. I don't know if that maybe that's like not actually a number people get to. Maybe it's more around 12 is like the peaks. Um, I don't know. Maybe someone who's like follows battlegrounds a little bit more closely can let us know in the comment section down below. What is like what is considered like a good like what, when I think about like good though like when I think about like League of Legends, if you're not in Diamond, you're not good at League of Legends. So and that's like just the a couple ranks under challenger so mm. um so yeah i'm at 8k now it's the first time i've ever been to 8k i think i was close a couple times i might try and push for 9k i don't know it get, like it gets hard it does get harder and harder you have to invest more and more time to like learning how to actually optimize to play optimally as you get as you climb up the ranks so i've pushed through to 8k i don't know if i want to try and make the hurdle to push to 9k though we'll see are you someone um, who ever cares about going through when you're doing a game and going for like the platinum trophy what do you mean so like that's when you get all of the trophies, you know, the little pop ups that happen when you do like little things in the game. Sometimes oh, it's like a hundred percent game. Yeah, it's like a hundred percenting, but it's sometimes doing more than a hundred percenting. Like oh. the, I think it's like, like the game would say like you did all the missions and stuff, but then to get like platinum trophies, some of them will be like beat this many enemies doing this move, and it's like this extra little trophy. Oh, I mean, that's like basically, well, I guess that that's kind of in God of War 2, but that's what you have to do to upgrade your moves. So it's like keep doing moves over and over again, which is a little bit annoying throwing your like throwing your axe. You have to it's like, but sometimes it'll be like, attack, like a million. Sometimes times. it'll be like uh, like a trophy can be uh, just a like ridiculous little stuff. Easter egg type of thing, like pet this animal on this planet <laughs> was like one of the East was one of the trophies for Jedi Survivor. Oh, no, I didn't. I don't go to my way to do like all that kind of stuff. I like 100% it in terms of uh kind of like beating all the bosses would be like the that as far as i'll go as to 100 percent of a game like, like in jedi the, fallen like order optional bosses and stuff yeah like in jedi fallen order i wanted to get all of the health orbs and the force orbs but I, like get, i hate the chests are so pointless it's just a new costume it's so like unrewarding <laughs> to go to your way to find the chest well wait till you get into jedi survivor because <laughs> chest means something <laughs> Well, no, it's like you open up a chest and you got a new beard style for cat. Oh, like... <laughs> <laughs> so that's even worse than it was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I didn't even really go too far in my way in Jedi Fall in order to get stuff, except for to search for like the the secrets, and that was about it. But yeah, but my hundred percent of a game is usually just beating all the bosses. That's what I'll look for. The Azul version of a hundred percent. Well, right, let's well, yeah, let's uh... hop on into it. Okay. It is time to uh chat about the 2024 season information a huge bombshell drop today didn't really see it coming uh the meme forever was like late july right and it actually happened (laughs) in late july we got the season information for those who don't know a few years ago pokemon like put out that in late july they'd give us the season information and we didn't hear anything until the end of august i think it was like even maybe september yeah it was a long time i remember people saying like waking up in the morning checking the calendar it's july 82nd or something like that (laughs) (laughs) still no information but they actually put it out there were you a little surprised to see it as well i was gonna say when they announced it 
to be late July. That was one. That was like a reasonable time frame too, right? We're like, oh, this is like the earliest we would ever get the information that they're gonna give it to us, right? And then, yeah. Or, uh, but yeah, I think that's something we could talk about first. Is like, this is like a pretty reasonable time frame. I feel like to give us the information going to the next season, right? Like we have, yeah, pretty much I think everything. Like... Or is it? Do you think it's a little bit late? Like, there's no such thing as too early, I guess. But right, I want to build some hype around the information as well. So I think that as soon as people can start earning championship points, ideally they would know what those points are going towards yeah, or like what their fair. goal is. Right. So like, I think at a minimum right after NAIC, like the Monday after they could just put out the point threshold, something like just that. Just take a break from cups and challenges for a couple weeks after NAIC. Or yeah, just don't let them out. be hosted. That's fair too. Yeah, yeah. Just like take three weeks off after NAIC. And then after three weeks, cups and challenges come back. And then so does the announcement of the points and the structure and the tournament stuff. But it's like you don't basically three weeks need to know. After, right? I think it's good that they release all the stuff, like all the regionals, or like at least the ones that have been announced. Like last year, they added Fresno kind of later, right? So like, there's yeah. still a chance that what they have out there is not everything that's going to happen. But um, I mean, I think it's good that the regionals are announced, like kind of in one block. They boom, announce a bunch of them. But I, I don't think like that information has to come at the exact same time that the championship point requirement comes out. And that doesn't have to necessarily come at the same time that the day two race information comes out. Right. Like I think yeah. at a well, minimum, I guess theoretically the mm -hmm. day two information should come out when you get the championship points. requirements. Yeah, right? sure. I feel like that should come with that. I but yeah, I see fair. what you're saying. Yeah. If the, if the regional days don't come out until a little bit later. It wouldn't be terrible, but they seem to be pretty organized this year with this announcement, right? It seems to be pretty organized. And ideally, everything comes out at once as soon as possible as we're getting close towards the end of the season, especially because, like, the new season starts up three weeks after Worlds, right? So you you do have to release it a little bit sooner than after Worlds, except for, you know, the, the, the thing they always release at Worlds is when the next Worlds is going to be. Did they, at one year at Worlds, did they not announce when they next Worlds is going to be? They don't say when it is, right? They always just where say it is. Yeah, where yeah. it is. But it's, yeah. you can, actually, to be honest, this year, Worlds could be in July. No. No, it's going to be in August again. What was I thinking with July? Wait, well, because there's nothing no, on it the could regional be. schedule that's in like June. There's nothing June. in June on the regional yeah. schedule. Worlds next year could be in July. No, I was right on that. That, that was my thought process I had earlier when I was looking at the dates. <laughs> Worlds could be in July this year. So we might be a little bit off from from uh, from our guessing it usually being in August. Which, to be honest, depending on where it is, I wouldn't mind that. July is a little bit less hot than August is, uh, depending on where you go in the summer. They're pretty on par, I feel like. I mean, some places I almost feel like <laughs> August is cooler. But, yeah, I mean, I think it is just unfortunate that this year in Japan, for those who don't know and haven't looked at, like, the weather forecast yet for Japan, it's not looking good. It's going to be hot, <laughs> hot, hot. And also, it's supposed to rain. So, like, Let's go. the forecast was, like, 95 degrees Fahrenheit plus rain. So it's going to be steamy and humid. It's like tropical. And, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's literally going to feel like a rainforest. Like, Sheesh. it's going to be, I'm gonna be there. dude, in the hotel room, door dashing sushi the whole time, bro. <laughs> That's where you'll find me. Azul's <laughs> <laughs> not even stepping foot outside. Only going gonna to sit down a... at his, his table for rounds. And then That's between it. rounds, he's going to be in the corner crying to cool himself <laughs> down <laughs> i'm gonna have one of those little like fans that people wear around their neck while they're like well, have you ever seen honestly something you should get i've seen this before it's like a fan belt buckle clip 
that you can clip it on your it's like it, it's shaped like a phone almost yeah. you can clip it on your belt buckle and like it your shirt covers it when it comes down over your waistband it, like, and it can up blow air shirt. up through your shirt yeah you should like <laughs> a thousand percent get one of those i actually might that might be necessary to be honest i'm gonna be i'm probably gonna be rolling up with a sweat towel to be honest at the at the event i'm not gonna lie Gonna be... So if you take a picture with Azul, do not put your arm around him. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be my best moment, to be honest. But um, hey, it is what it is. Um, where are we at, though? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, this feels this... Like, it feels like this is the, this this is the best. This is the be the most timely, well put together announcement about the next season. I think we've ever had. Right? I think is that fair to say? Does anything come close to this? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they do release most of this information at the same like usually when they make the announcement it's this like this is the information we get but yeah i think like early as far as like the timing goes yeah this is yeah. like pretty most put together most information in an, an announcement at the mo in the with the most amount of time before this the season really gets underway announcement ever to be honest That's there were some kind like. of interesting things left out though which we'll talk about at the end some things that were not announced that maybe normally would be announced at this time most of it does seem like a indication of a good thing though so could be yeah We'll talk about that in a little bit but first let's talk about the point requirements kind of one of the first things i think most people probably jump to whenever they see like oh season information comes out let's go see what the point requirement is how many championship points do you need to get to the world championships in 2024 and i guess just real quick for anyone who doesn't know or who's watching this to try to learn about how the structure works pretty much there's different level of pokemon tournaments starting with league challenges which are local tournaments league cups is like a little bit bigger of a local tournament maybe more people from your area will come play like you know people who live a few hours away then there will be regional championships which will be quite a bit bigger usually very high numbers these have cash prizing on the line and pay out a ton of championship points and then international championships which there are four of every single year across the world all these different level of tournaments pay out championship points depending on how you do with them and then at the end of the year you can take your total amount of points with some best finish limit stuff thrown in there what we'll talk about and you can determine if you have enough points to play at worlds and that number this year as always is different depending on where you live in the world of course the only one the I... only one that really matters is of course us and canada oh, and... <laughs> snap you said it not the... me bro <laughs> i was actually gonna make a joke on twitter how many points did europeans need for their invite last year was it 250 i think it's 250 yeah it wasn't too far off i was gonna make a joke that this is the first year <laughs> europeans have actually had to work for their invite. <laughs> But I this, feel like there'll be, be some pretty... like high-level European players that would probably like agree with that statement. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just all jokes. But it really is like I mean, yeah, this time U.S. and Canada for Masters six hundred four fifty for seniors for the juniors and seniors. Actually, I didn't really look at those numbers. They're gonna have to. This is the hardest invite I think ever for juniors and seniors, right? This is it's not the there. hardest invite in Masters ever, though, for championship point wise. ELO system was way harder. ELO system was bad though, so don't worry about that. It was harder, but it was bad. But the DC year, the first DC year, I think was still hard. It was going to be a harder Worlds invite than this year is. So um, just to put it in perspective, I guess, a little bit overall throughout the years. But this is the hardest we've had since then, I think, since the first D DC Worlds. Yeah, I mean, there was... The, uh, it's so hard to say, though, because they've dropped the point bar multiple times. Like, they did it this past yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. They, they, but they were definitely going to do it this past the year. They this did past year was, like, predictable. Yeah, yeah, this past year was like predictable. I feel like 
but then they also dropped it the first current structure year like the first year of ic's modern year 17 they dropped the point structure halfway through the year and also like changed how many points you got at tournaments as well yeah like, went back and like retroactively added points and then they gave us um, top 64 cash payout which they gave us and then took us away the next season what was the what was the invite that was at 500 and they brought it down or was it like i think it was 550 and they brought it down 450 or, 450 it's been it's been a lot of numbers it's been, it's been 400 it's been 500 it's been 550 it's been four like it's gone back and forth it was 350 this year for us and canada but the number this year is 600 championship points required um and yeah so there's a lot of kind of discussion about this online a lot of people i think were a little shocked to see it be so high. I personally think it's like, I was kind of expecting it to be 500 personally. I yeah, think that's kind of what most people like were expecting. So 600 is high. Um, and I guess maybe a question would be, is that because they want it to be harder to get to worlds than it has been? What do you think Azul? Um, I actually, so in the past, now I don't know if this is true or not. A lot of people have said this is like, it feels like they base the, inv the, the, the amount of points needed to acquire to get the invite is based on how many people they want at Worlds. But the more I've played throughout the years, I feel like it's just, it's just them trying to figure it out, to be honest. Like, I don't actually think they're basing the invite system on how many people they want at Worlds. I feel like they're just basing it on, you know, they're trying to set a bar that they think is reasonable that you need to hit to get your Worlds invite. And it does adjust just because they, they feel like they haven't hit the right mark yet. Um, and we see this year, it's going up to that 600 uh that point mark there are some other adjustments around the invite structure though that make it a little bit less daunting than i think it actually is yeah but um i to be honest like i've said before in the past that i don't think it's that big of a deal that it's not too hard to get your pokemon tcg worlds invite but also with this change i also don't think this is a bad thing either that it is 600 points uh and i guess on top of that and i actually uh it is possible that they lower it at some point throughout the season. I really don't want to see them do that, though. I want them to, like, have gone through a process where they feel like they've picked a good number for what they want and then stick to it through the season. I really don't yeah. want to see them change the points. I want them to have – because otherwise it feels like they didn't put the work in to come to the conclusion on what they think is a good number. They're just like, put out a number, run it <laughs> – just run a number, flip a coin, roll a die. I want them to have, like, put in work to come to a conclusion on what a number they think is good and then stick to it throughout the season, and then the people who achieve that – get their worlds invite i 1000 percent agree with that like if we look at in the modern era there has been what four full seasons right stuff got weird with like the covid one and a half season right so it was the 2017 season the 2018 season the 2019 season and then the 2023 season so four full seasons of those four seasons two of them they had to lower the point structure halfway through the year so they've gotten it wrong. They're, they're bad. They're, they're like, their average here is not the best, <laughs> you know, 50, <laughs> 50 on whether or not they get the number they want. So, yeah. And I'm not going to count the 2020 slash 2022 season, like for or against them, because obviously there's like some kind of funky stuff happening. And maybe you could say yeah. the same thing about this season with 2023, since we didn't get locals until like, maybe they thought we were oh, going to yeah. have locals, which is why, the points were the way they were. They found out we weren't. They had to adjust, right? There's multiple departments having to work on this thing. So maybe you can't even 
necessarily hold this one super against them but i think so i think yeah i think that probably is they because they said locals were coming back early at the beginning of the year and then we didn't get them till quarter four um instead of like quarter two so i think yeah i think this was just because they just didn't get locals back in time the way they wanted to so i don't think we really hold this this year against them them having switching up mid-season it's a little bit harder to hold against them the past ones a little bit iffy and the biggest thing is like that going to the season you know, people kind of set their expectations for what they're going to do throughout the season based on how likely they think it will be to get their world's invite. Yep. So it really sucks if you're like halfway through the season or over halfway through the season and they're like, oh, now you only need 500 points to get your invite. It's like, well, you know, I would have gone to a couple more regionals yep. a little bit earlier in the season. That would have been nice to know. So like, I just want to see them stick to their guns. Just own it. 600 points. That's what it's going to be. Don't lower it. Or don't make it higher probably, but don't lower it and like just ride it out like hopefully that's the thing that's a good indication if they don't change it is that they put in some time and effort into trying to come up with a number that they think makes sense i'm sure someone over there uh you know ran the math on something to come to this conclusion and hopefully they they stick to it a lot of people Um, were having uh i think mostly i saw like negative reactions to this like of people saying that it was too high it seemed like the world's invitation was too hard this was going to be too difficult of a thing to like achieve mm-hmm. uh and i think you put out a pretty good tweet that like kind of i like you know i agree with where you said like if you're already counting how many top 256 you need from regionals to get your invite you've already you're already mentally defeated just focus on improving and the invite will come and i think it's like a good point because like so many people are just trying to figure out how they can get into worlds with like the bare minimum. How, how can I get to worlds with the lowest possible finishes? And if you're wanting to be someone who's a world championship competitor, I think you should always be trying to improve your game, always trying to get better. And if those things are happening, you're going to have better than top two fifty six finishes throughout the year. Right. (laughs) For sure. I think like, if you're someone who's striving to get your world's invite, I think at the very least you should make your goal to top eight a regional. I think that's like, you know, as long as you're going to like, you know, four or five regionals, whatever it might be, plus NAIC, I think that should be your goal is to top eight a regional. If you're also trying to get your world's invite, you're like I'm going to get my invite this year. I think the setting a goal of top eight on regional and whether you get there or don't and still get your invite, whether you do or do not, I don't think that really matters. It's kind of like the, the journey along the way of just trying to become a better player. But I think it's like a reasonable goal any player can set for themselves, to be honest, sure. even if it's like your first season playing. So um yeah yeah and and with that yeah yeah with that tweet i was just trying to say like yeah just already kind of having the mentality of like my my goal throughout the whole season is just to get like six top 256s just feels like like i mean at that point like it it sounds like you don't even or you you don't even plan to like win a round once you get to the world championships right um and at that point maybe you should just like not go to those extra regionals to even try and get your invite and then instead just go to worlds and just kind of hang out as a spectator enjoy the experience um which hopefully like I said, I've said this in the past. Like, hopefully, Worlds becomes more and more of like a, an event than just like a uh, than just a tournament. And I think we are kind of headed in that direction. So hopefully, that just kind of continues and makes it more of an experience for. Maybe it's harder to get your invite, but maybe there's still enough other reasons to show up to the World Championships and hang out and have a good time. Another big announcement with this was the fact that I mean, it's kind of an announcement. They haven't like super clearly outlined it. I think everyone's kind of just assuming this is how it's going to work based on. What they've I mean, said it's pretty much confirmed post. it's pretty yeah it's like it's all but confirmed right with them like posting there is no day two automatic qualification for worlds but that's yeah, what there it might looks still like be now. a day two right but there's there no will day two likely vibes. still be a day two of the world championships but you will not automatically skip day one any longer because the championship points in addition to 
um, you know, needing to get to this certain threshold to at least get your world's invite to at least qualify for the world championships. There are also different levels of invite that players may earn with varying levels of travel support provided. So the tier three invite is just getting to your CP threshold, your championship point threshold, 600 for us and Canada, 500 for Europe, 350 for Latin America, 300 for Oceania, and then 250 for the middle East and South Africa. Then there's also a tier two invite where a certain ranking of players, it's the 17th through the 22nd in the US and Canada, will get their world's invitation plus a travel stipend, which has been outlined to be $1,000. And then the top 16 in US and Canada. And then this is the same numbers as it was this year across the board yeah. top 22 in Europe, 12 in Latin America, top four in Oceania, and top two in Middle East and South Africa will get their world's invitation, a travel award, which is different than a travel stipend. It's more money. And they will also receive a round one buy at the world championships. So no more auto day two, but getting to skip round one of the events. So this kind of reminds me of the old national championships, right? Where if you had yeah. won a regionals, you could get a one or two round buy, right? If you, yeah, if you won a regional, you got two rounds of buys and if you won a state championship you got one round by and i don't think any of the national winners got buys at worlds but i could be correct incorrect on that i don't think so i don't remember though it's been a while um but yeah states and regionals back in the day you win a regional maybe if you got second out regional too i think if you got second out regional you got a one round by if you got if you won the regional you got a two round by if you won a state championships you also got a one round by so you didn't have to play for the first couple rounds um which was a it was a pretty big benefit um uh, and I don't think this is like a huge, like this is definitely nowhere near as big of a benefit as the day two uh, by was. There'll still probably be a day two of Worlds, so it'll probably run like more similar to a regional, right? Like everyone plays in day one, certain records get to day two, they play out day yeah. two, you get to top eight, so on and so forth. Um, and even though I'm someone who's like played in uh, or I've made day two at every world since they've had the day two buys, I'm pretty like sure. Like auto-qualified? Yeah, I've like auto-qualified for day two every time in the modern era. Um, I don't think this is like a bad change. I'm kind of like fine with this change. Like I didn't really care one way or the other. I'm going to go to a lot of tournaments. I'm going to play in a lot of tournaments. If there is a potential for a day two buy, I'm going to play for the potential for the day two buy. If there's not a day two buy, then I'm still going to play in a lot of tournaments. <laughs> like as someone who's like been doing this for a long time. And it seems like most of the people who were day two grinders have kind of the same reaction. It's just like, oh, okay. It doesn't exist anymore. That's fine. Right. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, because the way worlds exists currently it almost feels like what, I mean, this is also before my time, but from what I understand, it almost feels like a um, a grinder style tournament, right? Yeah. So back at Worlds in like the early 2010s, like 2013, that time frame, there was an event called the Grinder at the World Championships where anyone could play, even if you didn't have any sort of invitation, and a certain amount of people would make it through day one and or get, make it through the Grinder and get an invitation to the actual world championship tournament. And that almost feels like that's what day one worlds has become, right? Because you can't do really well on day one and then become the world champion, right? You have to do really well on day one to have a chance to become the world champion. Um, yeah. So it just, it is unique in the fact that like the world championships currently is different than every other tournament on the, the circuit, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But when you look at it, to determine who the world champion is, you basically play a super condensed seven round league cup with all the best players in the world, <laughs> which is interesting. I mean, it's like, you know, 
I think more often than not, obviously, like a you know a top tier, like obviously whoever wins Worlds is going to be a great player, right? But um, when you're looking at a seven round tournament versus a two day event that's nine rounds plus five or six rounds of Swiss on day two, yeah. I think more often than not, like whoever is the best prepped for that tournament has picked the best deck and has like, you know, um, you know, prepare, like is super in the zone with their gameplay, like is making all the right decisions. Whoever it is, it's like it, that person's going to rise to the top more often through yeah, uh, 14 rounds of 14 to 15 rounds of gameplay than it is seven rounds of gameplay. Yeah, so there's going to be a little bit, you think there'll be a little bit less variance overall for the results. And like I said, it's like one thing that was like always a little bit weird about the the day two invites is like the day two players didn't have to submit their deck list until day two. And of course, everyone who was in day one got to change decks if they wanted to. Most people didn't. It was like probably 80% plus did not change decks, Yeah, um, which makes sense. Um, so that was like maybe one thing that was kind of a weird that, advantage. Honestly. Yeah, it might have been, to be honest. Um, so that's like a little bit of a weird, a little bit of a weird thing, definitely for sure, when you kind of think about it, but. That actually, um, I wonder if we can yeah. get that stat this year. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I do think it is. I, I think it's fine. Like I think the shift up, the uh, the shake up is fine. I think going back to everyone playing on the same day is is a fine thing as well. Like I'm a, I'm a. Still, like it doesn't. It's for me personally. Like it's just same, same old, same old. You know, it's like nothing really changes. Like you just kind of got to go through the same process no matter what. The uh, the format is so yeah I'm excited for it and I'm excited for yeah, I guess I am a little bit excited for it to be different that is it is cool just shake it up have it be a little bit different I don't think it should just shake it up just for the point of shaking it up but if they felt like the this is a better system than the previous system then that sounds good to me and there is still something a little bit of something to play for still for those people who want to go to those extra regionals or extra ICs to get those better finishes with that round one buy if you are in that tier one uh, the one thing I will say though is like why can't they just give us top thirty two for the tier two. What is this seventeen to twenty-two thing that they gave us? Like, what is this? <laughs> like, and even in Europe, they have twenty-three yeah. to twenty-eight. Just make it tier it's one for yeah six for Europe and, spots, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, for Europe and uh, NA, just give us tier one, one to sixteen, and tier two, seventeen to thirty-two. It's not hard. It doesn't make any. These are just weird numbers. Just keep it clean. Like, it makes no sense. Uh, especially with, like US and Canada, we have like I don't know. It's weird to it's really feels really weird to compare europe to us and canada we've just so many more we have more we don't have that many more players we have quite a few more players in in us and canada than europe but um maybe it's just of all the regions are broken down a lot but yeah they should just give us both the same we should both be 1 to 16 17 to 32 this 1 to 22 3 to 28 the 17 to 22 just it just looks bad just for the sake of making it look better just uh just fix it appreciate it Um, yeah i mean especially because like the advantage you're giving is not as big as it was before right like yeah the reason to not extend it would be because you didn't want to give way, way more people like a day two invite, right? Like I honestly, I honestly would have been probably okay if they changed it to the top eight of each region, right? Like the top eight get the round one by, and then yeah. the top sixteen get the extra little travel award, something like that. Because I mean, maybe they still want that certain amount of like travel awards to go out, um, yeah, as opposed to just like the round one by, but like. I, it, this structure almost makes me wonder like how hard like this year we saw people super hardcore grinding to get day two of all the regions right people going to tournaments way outside their rating zone people flying to south africa people flying to costa rica like going all over trying to get the points they need um to lock up that day two invite is that extra effort really worth it for one additional round by what do you I think don't- so I think there'll be players like me still who I'm still going to go to a lot of tournaments. 
So I'm not going to go to any locals, though. So <laughs> it might be a little bit tougher for me than most people. I'm not going to go to any locals. I'm still going to go to a lot of tournaments. We'll see this though. time next year if Azul truly has zero championship points from Cups and Challenges. This will make it easier for me, though, to potentially end up in one of those top 16 spots. Because I think there's going to be a lot less of the people who are grinding for that day two invite who are going to be going to as many events. Um, because, yeah, the incentive's not really there. Is it really worth it just for the travel award and not the day two invite? I don't know. It's tough to kind of tell. Um, I think what we'll probably see is you know players like me and other players who go to a lot of events, especially ones that also go to a lot of events and also go to locals, will be filling up those top 16 slots because they just like going to a lot of events. And then you'll have the people who like, you know, maybe win an IC, top two in IC, uh, maybe do really well at a regional or win a regional. And all of a sudden they're in a position where if they go to a couple extra regionals, they could get one of those top, top 16 spots. So I think it's going to be like the players who end up doing well throughout the season are probably going to put forth that extra effort um, towards the end of the season to try and get those last couple of points to like get them in top 16 or keep them in top 16. But I don't think we're going to see a ton of players off the the rip of the new season already playing for those top 16 slots. I think it'll just be like, depending on how players do it throughout the season, they'll make the extra effort or not. And you mentioned people getting top two in an IC or getting uh, first place at a regional championships. And there's actually something else that I'm a huge fan of that they did. And that is... They I don't are think giving it's on this everyone page. who wins a regional. I'm trying to find it on the page. Where is it? <laughs> I don't think it's on that page. I don't think it's on I, that page. I opened it up on my other window. But basically, they're giving everyone who wins a regional championship or mm -hmm. a European special event, and also everyone who gets top two at an international championship. Yeah, they did specify European oh. special events. Dude, I was I've I've been saying this the whole time. European special events are major tournaments. I'm sorry, but all other special events are not major tournaments. They're enhanced league cups. It's fine. It's fine for them to have the, the points payouts they have, but call it what it is. So I actually that's that's cool that they actually specified that because yeah, a seventy person what's it called is not equal to a five hundred person, seven hundred person European special event. So um it's cool to see them like recognize that for sure. It definitely means that it feels like that may, that's like a that's like a change or an announcement that means they're a little bit more in tune with like kind of the you know, everything that's actually going on than just kind of throwing stuff out there, you know. Are you still struggling to find the uh <laughs> a little bit where it but was, I'm, i know what to say uh <laughs> but yeah so everyone who wins a regional championships or a european I... special event or everyone who gets first or second place at an international championship gets an automatic invite to day two or sorry oh. <laughs> gets an automatic invite to the world championships regardless yeah. of how many championship points yeah, a tier three a tier three invite a tier three invite yes. just yeah if you and this is what we were talking about literally like a podcast or two ago it's like if you win a regional you should probably just get your world's invite right and then we were even talking about like we were going a little bit further than that we were talking about in terms of should you get a day two invite but now day two doesn't exist so maybe i guess at this point we could talk should they get a tier two or tier one invite maybe um we we're even going as far as saying like people who top four international championships should get a day two invite People get top eight should get a day one invite. Um, but this is like a step in the right direction. This maybe is enough. You know, we're just kind of throwing out ideas. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see them have this as well. A lot of these changes, I think, in general are just positives for the game. And I think this is a really good, a good change to see. Yeah, if you win a regional championship, you should probably get your invite from that. And then top two of an IC, kind of the same thing. And it's cool to see that added to the, uh, the ways to qualify for the world championships. Yep. And of course, those points will still count, right? So like if you yeah. win a regional and then... You're like, okay, yeah, I'll go for it. You can still, you know, get a tier one or tier two invite at the end of the year. Um, yeah, now those, those, uh, those points will still count towards, or you can make those yeah. points count towards like I, uh, stipends for and tribes and travel awards for ICs and stuff like that. Which, uh, you said they announced that, right? I, I couldn't find that again, but 
the stipends well the, the, yeah mm -hmm. they've announced that the stipends exist but they haven't really announced much of how they work so if you click on the international championship page international championship travel awards there's a whole section here about the stipends and the travel awards so players who finish fifth to 16th in the pokemon tcg or fifth to eight in the vgc are eligible to earn a one thousand dollar travel stipend paid after the event and subject to them attending and completing at least one round of play in the main event so this is for international championships so for those who yeah. don't know you can also in addition to earning prizes at all these tournaments um if you rank high enough in a specific quarter of the season between each of the international championships, you can receive a travel award or a travel stipend to the next international championship. So this is another part of the, the grind that I'll be interested to see how hard people really go for this, right? Because I feel like people were willing to do the internationals grind because, you know, if you got if you did it throughout the whole year and you got like two or three of the travel awards and then locked up a day two invite, that's probably overall worth it, right? Because you get the travel awards worlds, you get two travel awards to two of those ICs. You probably got stipends to the other ones or at least one of the other ones. So if you are doing all of that, it's probably overall worth it at the end of the year, but without that cherry on top at the end of the line, right. To get that day two invite, how hard will people really go for these travel awards? And will we actually see people who are maybe a little less known picking up, you know, stipends and travel awards to some of these internationals and give themselves a shot to, you know, make a deep run, maybe. Yeah, I think we will. they like, wouldn't have gone to otherwise. Yeah, like I said, like I think a lot of this, like there's gonna be a lot more people trying to go really hard for those top 16 slots. So we're so that's the same thing with these like ICs and stuff. Like people are gonna be playing uh less aggressively for these travel awards. Um and that'll like leave the opportunity for just like you know people who are just having a good quarter. They're going to be the ones kind of filling those slots. I think a little bit more than the the uh, top sixteen or the same sixteen players that you kind of saw throughout the year. Sometimes having like all those stipends and travel awards. It'll definitely be a little bit more of a shakeup, just kind of based on who does well that quarter. I think for sure. And like while we're on the topic of international championships, that's one of the things that was not announced. We have no idea of the dates or locations for the international championships. So one of the few things not announced um, was. Uh, was that um but they yeah. did we could mention this i guess they did update the prize payout and championship points they added a kicker for top <laughs> 1024 uh, yeah. for ic's and they changed those for regional stuff as well yeah so this one's pretty wild to see the kicker to get top 1024 points is 2000 for uh 2046 so if there's 2046 players at an ic this is how many points the, the top 1,024 players can get. So I think a question would be, would they have added this if they don't intend on an international championship this year reaching that number? I don't think so, right? I think they plan for EUIC and NAIC to potentially have more than 2,000 players, at least NAIC, right? But I would assume EUIC is also in that discussion for why they added this kicker because the yeah. previous two could not reach that threshold, and they knew that. Um, because they were capped at less than that. So if they would add this, I think they're trying to push for those bigger numbers. And this is what I was talking. This is what I've been saying. Like a lot of people rag on TPCI a lot, but you can't just like TPCI can't like literally like blink and then be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they blinked. This is awful. I can't believe they did that. Like when they do things poorly, I think it's fine to uh, recognize that. But when things are going fine and it's just like not as good as it could go, you don't need to rag on them over. I think the big thing we saw with that was when NAIC capped this year, it's like people were losing their minds, but it's like 
they increased the cap from last year um, by quite a bit by like by like 800 players um and then if they increase the cap again next year like that's like we're headed in the right direction like why are we hating on tpc there's so many other things to hate on tpci for why are, like this is not one of them like this is like the wrong and now we see it again that there's probably going to be for naic we're probably going to have well over 2000 players or slots available in the master ccg with this uh with this kicker uh increase. now i mean i will say with this like the 1600 kicker was the previous highest kicker that was in place on the website uh, and it was like 1600 players to get to five, 12 points, which they've also adjust, adjusted that. And this is kind of like an yeah. across the board thing for regionals as well. They've lowered the kicker threshold to get to the championship point payout, which is a good thing overall, but it was 1600 for a long time, but this year was the first year that we broke that number. Right. Yeah. So I would say like, I don't think it necessarily means that, they're planning for it to be that big, but it makes me hope they are. Pretty good indication. <laughs> it, it makes I feel like. it makes me at least recognize that they realize that the demand is there, that this number is not out of the realm of possibility this year or next year, right? Like in the next coming seasons, whatever it might be. So yeah. hopefully we'll be able to have a two thousand player plus tournament or two this season. That would be really cool. Um, but they did also add top uh two fifty-six points or top. 512 points, sorry, top 512 points to regionals, which they did not have this year, right? There was the lowest kicker was top 256. So now, if there's over yeah. a thousand person at a regionals, which, which we had in a lot North of America and the East Coast, I mean, do you think that there's a chance that, I mean, there's 12 North American regionals announced? Do you think there's a chance all 12 of them hit <laughs> over a thousand players? So. Most of the West Coast ones were close, if not over a thousand. So yeah. I assume we'd we, all of them will probably be over a thousand. Maybe not some of the North, uh, West northwest ones those ones i feel like are usually the the ones that are a little bit more of the struggle maybe also i don't know la is like a pretty huge airport which hint that's one of the i think ones la that was is gonna be massive really i don't know maybe i think Let's la see. is gonna be massive that's one it i'm excited be, yeah. for we'll I'm go through the regional schedule here shortly um but yeah i think this is overall a cool thing and one other kicker change they also changed one of these kickers here for cups this is like one that would come up pretty frequently actually so for those who don't know in top eight the the kicker in the tournament software in order for the tournament to trigger requiring top eight cut at a league cup was 21 players but for a long time the kicker to get top eight championship points was 24 players so i know over the course of the last few seasons like i definitely went to a couple of league cups where we had a top eight cut because we had like 22 or 23 players, but the top eight players did not get championship points because top, yeah. you needed 24 players <laughs> for there to be top eight championship points. So it's like a super minor thing that probably only affects like a small percentage of cups. And especially because most cups these days are like way over 21 people anyway. But, you know, it's something that it's like a minor thing that I'm glad they adjusted. Also, they got rid of the random 24 points that you would get for top eight at a cup. And now it's just a flat, clean 25 points, like minor yeah. stuff like that as well. What get is rid that of 32 these, like, in and there? honestly, they should get rid of this stuff. Get rid of these twos and eights and sixes and stuff like that. Let's have like just even numbers across the board. Make yeah, it we were talking about we were talking cleaner. about ugly gang. Yeah, fix those numbers on the, the tier two and tier one invites as well <laughs> or the tier two. invites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those numbers are just ugly, bro. Just make them good looking numbers it's not hard you know <clears throat> you can do if you can do it over here you can do it over there uh while we're here though we should probably talk about those best finish limits right um cups and challenges have a best finish limit of six each and the way best finish limits work 
is uh, in the past they've done best finish limits quarterly, but this season it's going to be a total season best finish limit. So best finish limit of six for like league cups. If you win seven league cups, um, you're getting 50 championship points theoretically for each league cup you win. But if you win seven of them, it only they only counts six of them towards your invite um, or towards your uh you know tier one to your attempt at a tier one invite or whatever it might be so you'd cap out it even though you won seven league cups you only get 300 points on the season um for yeah. the six that you play and that's actually something that we don't have information on yet either is how the stipends and travel awards are going to work for ic's one of the things that's come up in the past is there's been <laughs> moments where you were able to play in like eight league cups and challenges per quarter to get points towards a stipend or travel award for uh international championships with that we don't have a clear uh breakdown on how that's going to work this season as well so that's like another bit of information that we don't quite have access to and hopefully it's not six per quarter or something ridiculous like that uh and they're a little bit more reasonable to uh to kind of uh play play for uh, and then also what is it regionals are six as well right yeah regionals are six as well and there's no cap on international championships and one other thing i'm actually kind of just noticing that's pretty prominently featured here and it's listed in a few other places as well that normally isn't listed like they've existed but they're not listed normally like on these pages is play points you should not uh, have that there usually not and it's because play points you, you you know you earn for just participating in a tournament or you can even earn play points for participating in your local league or like pre-releases and stuff like that and for a long time you needed some amount of play points to participate at u.s nationals at the end of the year uh or like your it was whatever only, it was only like for two or three years yeah. huh it only happened like two or three years if i remember correctly yeah but yeah so yeah. there was a while was where like... you needed some play points in order to play in one of the big tournaments at the end of the year uh, and then they've done away with them for the last few years and done away with them in the sense of like they weren't required for anything, but they did yeah, they still, still exist and they still like were tracked. Like you can actually see the leaderboard of people who have play points. But the fact that it's kind of listed here, it almost makes me wonder if they want to do something with these, like not require them for tournaments, but maybe like some sort of player rewards system or something like that. I know that's been a thing in the past where players like who had a certain amount of play points at the end of the year would get sent, you know, exclusive promos and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I'm actually trying to look up now that you mentioned, I'm trying to look up who had the most play points last season. Uh, Natish had the most play points last season with a hundred clean. Uh, yeah. They used to do like a, a player of the year type thing where they did that for a couple years in a row where the person with the most play points got sent a case of every set released in the next season. Which I don't know, I think it's kind of cool. Like it doesn't cost TPCI anything to do that. I'm actually uh I don't know why they got rid of that to be honest. But yeah, hopefully I mean I'd say hopefully, but I don't really if they do or don't, I don't know if I really care. But like I think it'd be cool for them. Like they're here to do something with them. Like if players yeah. get so many play points, give them some cool promos or something, or I don't know, just do something with them. They're here, so we may as well do something with them. I think we can go ahead and move on and talk about the regional championship dates that were announced. Now, there were not any regionals announced in Oceania, and there was only <laughs> one regional announced for Latin America. Now, that one we already knew about as well. That yeah. One. And I would say, don't worry. Like, there will almost certainly be yeah. tournament. Like, I don't want to say anything certainly, right? But, like, there I will feel be. a little bit bad for Australia because their stuff always gets announced like super, like, close yeah. to the dates of it. I feel like Latin America, it's kind of, un it kind of sucks for Latin America as well. They usually have a bunch of stuff announced later, but it kind of sucks that it's not announced sooner for them. But Oceania is definitely the one that gets the, uh, the short end of the stick or whatever. 
yeah. uh, over that saying goes in these situations always. So kind of feels bad for them that nothing's been announced yet. And if it does get announced, it usually feels like it happens like a couple weeks, like three weeks before the events actually take place. So they've announced five European regional championships and also two European special events, one in Barcelona, one in the Netherlands. And they've announced 12 U.S. regional championships. So, I mean, one of the first things I noticed is that this is less tournaments than it was last year uh, in the mm-hmm. U.S. at least. I don't actually know exactly how many regionals and special events there were in Europe, but it was probably like pretty similar numbers. But, you know, for a long time, 15 has been the number in the U.S. To and 14, it, yeah. Yeah, it does say at the bottom dates, locations and formats subject to change. More events may be added at a later date. So there's a chance we could see something added and hopefully, you know, more events is always a good thing, I would say, most of the time. Um, But yeah, a few of these we already knew about, but we'll just quickly go through and say the locations. If you want to see the dates and the more specifics, you can, uh, you know, check it out on the Pokemon website. But our regional championships in the U.S. and Canada will be in Pittsburgh, Peoria, Sacramento and Toronto. We knew about these and then they announced those at NAIC. And then the new ones announced today were San Antonio, Portland, Charlotte, Knoxville, Vancouver, Orlando, Indianapolis, and then a new one, Los Angeles. Yeah, I think it's the first time we had we had Worlds in Anaheim once, but we've never been yeah. to LA, I don't think. Which I hate LA, so I'm not looking forward to that one. It's, I'm not driving to it too. It's like driving distance for me, or it's not too bad of driving. It's like six hours, I think. So I'll probably be driving to it, but I'm not excited for that one. But yeah, uh, uh, I mean, a couple like I guess like what are the ones that stand out to you that are missing? I think Hartford is the one that stands out to me the most. That felt like it was a staple. Um, yeah. and is there's no, no longer like here. Milwaukee or Madison. Yeah, right? that's true. That's the other one that's missing too. I feel like we're so we're no missing Wisconsin a little bit of regional. We're missing a northeast uh regional, no northeast at all, or yeah, northeast, <laughs> no northeast regional at all, really. Uh kind of sucks for northeast. There's always something up there. There was New England regionals in the past. Um, Rhode Island, there's one it was held in Rhode Island at some point, and we then, had Secaucus. Yeah, um, but nothing anymore. Yeah, we had Secaucus at uh last season, and then we had and then Hartford was always one that was uh Happened pretty consistently. And that, of course, if there's any ones released later on, that could be one of them. And then, yeah, no Milwaukee or Madison one as well. That one is also kind of missing. Another thing that's missing, though, is uh, Team Northwest. I think it's uh, bringing note to that. Uh, <laughs> they're no longer running regionals this season, as far as we know. But if we do get back up to 15, someone has to run those. So maybe it is them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they did a really rough job of running regionals last season. So, they did Fresno was fine. I will like I'm, like I said, like we gotta give credit where credit is due. Fresno yeah. was ran pretty well, but the rest of them were definitely a struggle. I'm definitely overall not sad to see them go. I think like I mean, that's kind of the it feels like that's what's the expected result is that they might not get any events this uh this year. So um yeah. I don't think I saw someone on Twitter saying that that's why we only have twelve regionals. I don't think that's why we have uh twelve regionals. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Jimmy Ballard would run all of them if he could. So uh, that would be my guess anyway. So I don't think losing Team Northwest is why we only have 12 instead of 15 regionals this season. Yeah, so overload events and day two events return this year. We did lose Team Northwest in favor of Gallery Games. And Gallery Games did run the Salt Lake City regionals, which was the first regionals back from COVID back in like March of 2022, whenever that was. Um, and that event was overall really good, right? Especially like, you know, with all the COVID restrictions in place, like the table spacing, you know, um, the extra like COVID checks and stuff, 
that people had to go through in order to play in the tournaments. Obviously, like all that, you know, we're, we're past those days now at this point with tournaments, but um, they were able to run that event very well. I think overall it was a pretty smooth one. So, you know, I'm hopeful that they'll do a good job this year as well. I will say yeah. Gallery Games maybe doesn't have the best history with some of the... <laughs> there's been some bad regionals in the past yeah. run by this organizer, but we're looking at what is most recent, and that was Salt Lake City, which was ran very well. So hopefully... yeah. It'd be hard good, to good season out, ahead here. It'd be, with how many they have, like it'd be hard for them to outdo Team Northwest across the board. So yeah, I think they they can definitely handle it. Hopefully it um, runs some pretty solid events. And they and like like we saw improvements from like day two. I feel like and overload throughout the year, and that was like the biggest thing that we didn't really see from uh, Team Northwest until the end of it all. Right, like Fresno was their only one that felt like it ran well. Um, I felt like all the other ones had hiccups and then like little things like deckless submission timing and all that stuff that the players didn't like they were just like all those little things and it felt like they had no no uh <laughs> no want to want to improve and that's like the worst thing overall so hopefully you know if gallery yeah. games has a rough time getting going you know they pick it up throughout the rest of the season and um uh are able to remain a an organizer going into the, the following season or whatever um another thing that's worth making note here i think as well for sure um which is i don't know what to really make of it but none of the tournaments conflict across uh regions right there's like no european dates, yeah yeah no tournament dates there's no european regional or special event being run on the same date um as any of the latin america events or any of the american events and same thing vice versa so that could be a rough estimate to try and figure out when the latin american events are actually going to take place to be honest is like find a weekend where there's no north american or european event and that's when the ic's will probably be and that's also probably when the latin american events will be so we have all the way down until end of may for north american events and the first regional is in pittsburgh so if anyone wants to do some investigation work and find all of the weekends between <laughs> pittsburgh and law uh, and la regionals that are open that are not being taken up by a european special event or regional or the latin american regional you can start to piece together when the ICs will be and when probably the rest of Latin American events will be as well. This yeah, one something... thing that is worth noting, uh, last year LAIC was Thanksgiving weekend, but this year the Poland regionals is Thanksgiving weekend. So mm. probably not going to be Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> I don't think I know they a lot of people did not... regionals with an IC. Yeah, not a lot of people did not like that it was on Thanksgiving. Well, a lot of Americans did it. Yeah, it really cared. only matters for <laughs> yeah. America. Yeah. A lot of Americans were like, but yeah, to be honest, I'm cut. it's like it's the LAIC. It's not the it's not NAIC. So like, who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of Americans didn't like that, which is like kind of uh, always felt a little self entitled. But um, yeah, we can. It's not going to be for everyone out there who didn't like that. It's not going to be um this this year it's not going to be on thanksgiving so um, with this information you know we've got 12 north american regionals we've got five european regionals with a couple special events in there as well in addition do you think anyone is going to try to go to all 12 u.s regionals and <laughs> all five european regionals is there anyone out there who's going to go to 17 regionals i don't think think so it would have to be someone who's like committed full-time to playing the game right Who, who's like basically does this full-time i don't plan on doing that i'm one of those people who has the flexibility to be able to do that i don't plan on doing that um maybe toward is just like i'm just gonna run the gauntlet this year and go to <laughs> literally everything but you just get burnt you'll get burnt out really hard at some point like it's just too much like you so it's just yeah, too much traveling so i think we'll see a little bit more back and forth europeans coming over here i want to go to a european regional this year um, or maybe even one of the special events, to be honest. I don't really, it doesn't really matter. It won't be one of the first two, probably, but I want to make my way over to Europe for a regional. 
Um, maybe Latin America, I've depending always, on when the rest of them get announced. But yeah, I don't think I've we're always in the back the of my head thought it would be sick to do like a. I mean, this kind of sounds cool, but I think when you really think about it, it would actually suck so much to do like a year where you just rent like bought some RV or like van or bus and like <laughs> with a group of friends just went to everything and drove it cross country, did like sightseeing stuff, went all over the place, but went to all of the US regionals. That'd be pretty dope. If anyone has a whole year off to take, <laughs> just got a good idea. If you like Pokemon <laughs> yeah, and you got yeah. a year off. Let um, me bring that up to Brooke and see what she says. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess if you the if you uncommon do, energy mobile going around the country. Yeah, depending on what kind of a uh, remote job you have, you might you might be able to make it work. You know, you never know. Um, I mean, maybe even um, you could you could maybe make that work for like a couple months. Figure out figure out like two months where there's the most regionals to travel to, and then start driving. You could do that maybe. Start driving. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about the whole year, but that that would be pretty dope to be honest. Um, oh, I could get an RV stream from the RV, make content yeah. in the RV. <laughs> Listen, man, we can we can put it together. Come on, now we'll slap a Dragon Shield logo on the side of it. You know, we can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely cool to get all this info out this early, right? I mean, once again, Oceania, Latin America, always uh, always taking a little bit longer. Um, always going to suck for them, but that is like um I, I feel like maybe we get to the point because tpci doesn't run those events right um they are tpci events but europe and north america events are really the ones that are be run by or have most influence from tpci like opag has control of latin america events pretty much for the most part and i've only heard uh yeah, I I, I, neut neutral or bad things about uh, uh copag never really that much positive to say and then esl yeah. I mean, yeah, and then ESL runs like most of the the Latin, the Oceania events. Maybe it's time like TPCI steps up a little bit and maybe takes over the regions and just kind of, um, I don't know how that would work or what why they're not doing that already and they don't have more control over the tournaments over there. But maybe uh, maybe we see more of that going into next season. Maybe that's something we see more going to next season as long as these events are still like feel it feels like the uh, the it, it feels like uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Like compared to Europe and North America and how everything runs, it feels. I mean, worse, but there's a better word that I'm looking for here. I can't come Comparable up with it. Or... On, yeah, it just feels like, it just feels bad. It feels almost like a, it's like a a blemish on their record or like, what would be the, what is the correct phrase? Not a blemish. <laughs> Bro, like, I got nothing for you. There's some word, there's a phrase for this. It's like, a, I don't know, it looks bad on TPCI for these two regions to be handled that much more poorly than the rest of their regions. Sure. But there's a good word to use in this kind of situation, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Drop a comment down below. Help yeah. find <laughs> what is the word? word. <laughs> We're literally going to be in the middle of guess that flavor text. And he's going to be like, oh, it was not that not the Pokemon he's trying to guess. It's going to be the word. Yeah. And then uh, before we get into our next segment, one thing we did want to just mention real quick. There was a couple things that did not come with this announcement that normally do. And that is the international locations, which you mentioned, uh, but also no prize pool announcement, which is particularly interesting. Right. So they've got information on the internationals and regional championship pages about like the championship point payouts but nothing about the prizes like the actual cash prizes that you can earn at these tournaments and they all have a note down at the bottom saying please check back later for information about the international championship prize pool so i mean i feel like if it was going to be the same as it has been 
it would have just been copy pasted over. They would yeah. have announced it, right? So is that a decent indicator that something is changing here? The fact that they did not announce anything with that yet? I mean, maybe one thing funny about it is that they did copy paste the international one over to the regional page. On the regional page, it says international championships prize payout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe just the person who usually writes on the the site is like on strike or just didn't show up to work, and that's why they just don't have the and they 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 were supposed to put the re- the new numbers in and just didn't. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I think it's it does seem like a good thing in terms of it seems like prize payouts are probably. I don't think they would ever go lower. So I would say this is a good indication that prize payouts are going to increase for regionals and international championships. Not for sure. We don't know for sure. But the fact that they didn't just announce it if it was the same and the, the fact that they would never make it go lower, I don't think. That would be ridiculous if they made it lower. I think they are going to increase them going into the new season. That would be my guess. And maybe, maybe it also could just be like the top end doesn't change. Like it's still 5K for first at regionals, yeah. 10K for first at internationals, but they just pay out more spots. That is also something they could do, like pay out the top 64 we used to have, yeah. regionals, pay out the top 128 at internationals, something like that. So I'd be interested to see if if which route they go with it. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer something more top heavy, or would you more prefer top heavy. a deeper payout? Uh, more top, but I mean both ideally. But I think more top heavy for sure. Yeah, I like, think yeah. I agree. If you just doubled everything top thirty two and up, I think that would be like that. If I had to like pick a number, like just double everything top thirty two and up in ICs and regionals, just double it. Um, yeah. Or I guess top sixty four at ICs, right? They pay out to top sixty four at ICs, but yeah. I don't think like paying down to top 2028 20, at ICs or top 64 at regionals. Like, I don't know. It's just like, I'd rather see, I'd rather like. Maybe with the size regionals are, right? Like, I mean, I think 64 yeah, I mean, probably both, should be, but. Both ideally would happen, right? Pay down to top 64 and then double it up or something. It should be 10K for first at regionals. I don't know. Something like that. Double it and give it to the next person. All right. We'll <laughs> Double it and give it to the next tournament. <laughs> the next tournament, yeah. Do you want World your 5K your... for winning this tournament or do you want to double it? <laughs> all right well let's move on there's a new set coming out pre-releases were this weekend obsidian flames on the horizon azul what do you think (laughs) about this set man what's going on here i think we should double this set and give it to the (laughs) next set because there's not that much good in this set so (laughs) yeah it's looking pretty bad i mean my standout cards the cards that i i mean the charizard i think is like the the card in the set by, by far but it's not a card it's not like a guardy ex type of card it's a charizard ex type of card which is what it is and it's it's pretty good you want to go ahead and read it chip let them know what it does yeah so it's a stage two it is a dark type it is a terra pokemon and terra for terrible <laughs> it has the <laughs> infernal control ability when you play this card from your hand to evolve a pokemon during your turn you may search your deck for up to three basic fire energy cards and attach them to your Pokemon in any way that you like. And then it has the burning darkness attack for two fire. It deals 180 damage. And then this attack does 30 damage for each prize card your opponent has taken. 30 more damage. So, I mean, good energy acceleration, energy efficient attack. It's a dark type. It hits Mew VMAX and Gardevoir EX for weakness. HP. It's a big boy, you know. There's a lot going for this card. It yeah. is a stage two. I think this you card will probably be really good at some point, but it might just not be right now. Yeah, you get so much value from, like, once you get it out. Like, that's the thing is, like, once you get Guardi EX out, 
you can load up a, an attacker with Guardian's ability. Once you get Charizard X out, you can load up an attacker with Charizard ability, whether that be itself or some other fire Pokemon that you're playing yeah. in there, because it is it is Dark type itself, but it accelerates fire energy. So, um, yeah, definitely the best. No, actually, it's not true. The best card in the set is actually Cleffa. Charizard is the second best card in the set, probably, but the most likely to have an archetype created around it. I don't think we're creating a Cleffa archetype with Cleffa release. We are creating a Charizard X archetype. So, uh, Cleffa is the best card in the set. Charizard is the best archetype coming out of the set. But it's, it doesn't seem like it's going to be like the new, which is not a bad thing, to be honest. It doesn't seem like it's going to be the new BDIF. It seems like it might be a solid tier two, tier three deck. But I think the problem with this set is besides maybe Pidgeot EX being slotted into some decks, like that's it. That's like all the set has to offer, it feels like. Yeah, at least right now. And like, and there's nothing yeah, to say that something away. in the future doesn't come up. There's a couple cards I think are cool, like um, I'm kind of a fan of the Toad Scroll EX. I mean, how do you spell this? Toad, there we go. Toad Scroll <laughs> EX. <laughs> 270 HP on a stage one. It's got the Colony Rush attack for a Grass Grass. It does 80 damage plus 40 more damage for each of your benched Pokemon with a Grass Energy attached. So you can ramp that up there with a few different things in the format we've talked about. We talked about this last week a little bit, the Cherum. We talked about the Fortress EX, you know, both of being time. options to do it. And it's got a solid ability as well. Protective Charm, prevent all effects of attacks from your opponent's Pokemon done to all of your Pokemon that have energy attached. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely, like, a decent bit going for this card. It's got a decent amount of HP, energy efficient. Um but I mean, I just don't know like how good it would be right now. Obviously, yeah, I feel like it, yeah. It, I mean, the ability is good. Like we've seen Espeon V Max be utilized to shut down effects of attacks, right? Yeah, to some pretty decent effect uh, throughout its uh, time in the format. Um, I do think this set is like because Cherim's going to rotate when rotation happens, whenever that might be. Hopefully, we're still following Japan as far as that goes, and we get rotation sometimes next year. Um, and we haven't heard any announcements yet about rotation, so I feel like that's probably going to be what we're looking at here. Because I feel like we usually get the rotation announcement pretty reasonably. Like, I feel like we'd have that by now, usually. Um, yeah, maybe they'll talk about it at Worlds this year. I don't know. That'd be cool. And I think, uh, I was like, yeah, I think he's talking about Worlds. We got to be getting Paradox Pokemon for the new mechanic, right? That's going to be what's going to be announced, right? Yeah, we already probably. have some Paradox Pokemon. I mean, that's Pokemon, like what the like, next set is supposed to be based on, I think, right? Yeah, it's like Paradox something. Yeah, something or other. Um, yeah, Toad Scroll. I think this is like this set is going to be Cherim's time to shine, whether it be uh, Afterworlds or or it'll be Afterworlds, whether it be with this set or maybe a set later, because we have the the Toad Scroll, which I think combos really well with the Cherim. Could be a cool tech card um, in decks in general to shut off uh, the ability or the effects of attacks. So there's also the Vespa Queen EX coming out, and this card is just sick. The card is super sick. The attack is just really really cool. Chip, let them know what uh, what the Vespa Queen does. Yeah, it's got. Well, really one attack. It does have a second yeah. first attack, but the main attack for that, three sorry. grass, it has Phantom Queen, 200 damage, and then put three damage counters on each of your opponent's benched Pokemon that has any damage counters on it. I'm pretty excited for this card. It is a Terra Pokemon as well. Um, once again, you can load this thing up. You can load up some combis with Cherim and then evolve them to the Vespa Queen. 200 damage. You will have to get some kind of extra damage like Halucha or Alakazam is going to have to make its way into this deck? Or is there like a grass Pokemon that spreads? That might exist. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I really, 
I'm having a hard time understanding why you think this card is good at all, to be honest. You just but. put a lot of damage in play. It's a it spreads <laughs> back, bro. We're here. I don't know. It's like the best it's red card we've seen in a while. Energy, like... I'm honestly just the most excited for to use Cherim. Like that just sounds really cool. <laughs> like, guess what I'm most excited for? Oh my goodness. Cherim's gonna have its moment. Toad Scroll, Vespa Queen. You probably bop lost box if you have some way to like spread the damage. There's gotta be some grass Pokemon that spreads for, as an attack. Um it's out there. Well, you said Clef is the best card, but I think in reality, the best card. the best card is this Pidgeot. And maybe I think when this set rotates out, whenever they rotate the uh, what the G block out of standard in like five years or whatever it'll be, three years, we'll have we'll to come back and look at which which card had more competitive success. Is it your Cleffa or is it? Pidgeot EX. I got a feeling it's going to be this Pidgeot. Well, it might Clefa... not be amazing immediately, um, but we talked about the Charizard. You know, I feel like this is probably a card that works decently with Charizard. I even saw Mahone posted a list this week that had Arceus V-Star and uh, Pidgeot in a Charizard deck. <laughs> it was just going hard, finding every single card he wanted, <laughs> you know, every single turn. Seems kind of sick. Uh, but yeah, it's got this quick search ability. Once during your turn, you may search your deck for a card and put it into your hand then shuffle your deck. You, of course, cannot use more than one quick search ability each turn. I think the place that this is probably going to work the best immediately is in Chi and Pao Backscalibur. And I actually think, like, this is the this is a card that has the potential to just make Chi and Pao Backscalibur, like, an actual real top-tier contender. It's already, like, a pretty good deck, but I feel yeah. like this could put it over the edge and make it a Tier 1 deck, to be honest. Yeah, maybe that's where I think it slots in best initially as well um but it, it might be a while i wasn't like super it. crazy on this card when it first came out i was trying to be like more subjective and be like yeah, yeah i don't know like it but the more i've thought about it like i just think this card is going to be so good with backscalibur and i feel like anytime like we're moving to a stage two format in the future like after a rotation or two like this is just going to be a card that is in a lot of decks It'll be a card in the future sure. yeah yeah I, I can see it I, yeah i think moving forward like definitely but we're so like i think Dude, I just can't wait for Battle VIP Pass to rotate. I think that'll be so... It's just such a terrible card. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's so broken. <laughs> it's so good, but it's so bad because it like really amplifies the um, aggressive good turn one kind yeah. of thing, you know, that kind of feels like it happens it happening in the game a little bit. Like, it's just once we give it a Battle VIP Pass, that might... I, that honestly might be the... Like, next rotation might be it. We might not have to wait two rotations because Lost Box will still be around. It'll still be probably pretty good, or Lost Zone something will be, but the just Battle VIP Pass leaving the format, I think, will be so healthy for the game. I'm excited for it. Hopefully, that won't be too far away. We'll see, though. Maybe they'll give us the uh, January rotation again and keep us in line with Japan, but those are kind of the main cards we're excited for from Obsidian Flames. It does and overall Clever. feel kind of just like a meh set, which is a bit of a bummer, but we got better things to look forward to 151 coming out <laughs> and hopefully a good winter set as well in November. But with all that how being they, said, actually like speaking of that real fast, when they do do an initial release of a mechanic, how powerful are they usually? I'm trying to think of like past sets. Buzzwole GX rapid strike Urshifu V max. Yeah, looking pretty good. What about the <laughs> tag teams? Did we get Pikachu? Pikachu and Zekrom. Pikachu wasn't good initially. What, what, it was, what was pretty good, good initially still. No one played it though. What do we, what do we, we were missing Coco, right? Coco was like the missing piece. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, like it that. was better in expanded initially. People thought it was broken and expanded. Then it flopped that first expanded tournament, but then it yeah. did really good the next expanded tournament. So yeah, that was yeah. when expanded was still more of like a, a format that was 
played a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So the usually it is the like a pretty good. End of the expanded being like a fun format was around then, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it was good for a little while, but it, it had its run for sure. Um. Okay. Yeah. With that being said, we're going a little long here on the episode, so let's get it trucking <laughs> through here. But take a moment as well, of course, to give a big thanks to our sponsor, Dragon Shield, for supporting us here on the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Of course, Dragon Shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market, including sleeves, binders, deck boxes, and so much more. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out to them. I've actually picked out my sleeves to bring to Worlds. I was looking at my Dragon Shields on my shelf the other day, and I was like, all right, what are we going to go with? And I decided to run it up again with the uh, the Blood Reds. So I'm bringing the Blood Reds <laughs> to <laughs> Worlds. That's been your go-to for like three months, I feel like. Well, I've always had them as an option. I've always had them as an option. But yeah, I've just, I locked them in the other day. I like actually like, I always like forget stuff. I hate, I always like trying to get stuff as like packed as I can ahead of time. So like I always leave my case of cards in my suitcase and stuff like that. And then... I was like going through my shelf the other day and I was like, are these things I'm bringing with me to Worlds? I'm just going to put them in my, my suitcase right now so I don't forget them. And just to like get a little bit further ahead of the, the packing process. So um, I've locked those in. Um, and yeah, big shout out to Dragon Shield as always, you know, for sponsoring the podcast. You can find them pretty much everywhere, but also at dragonshield.com slash webshop slash US or EU, um, depending on where you're from. And uh now here comes guess that flavor text is my turn to guess a card that chip is going to pick for me if you don't know how guess that flavor text works uh one of us will read a flavor text on a card and the other person has to try and guess which pokemon that card belongs to if you get it right without using any lifelines you get four points for each lifeline you use what set the card is from what stage the card is or read an attack name the points get reduced by one chip i'm ready hit me with hit me with the flavor text it immediately headbutts anyone that makes eye contact with it. Its skull is massively thick. Massively thick. This sounds like craniados. Wait, is it called craniados? Well, yeah, because there's craniados into. I don't remember the the stage two Rhyperior? No, it's Rampardos. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'll I'll do the stage. What stage is the card? Let me not get too far ahead of myself. Do it is craniados. a basic. Uh, okay. Well, it's not craniados because wait, how do how do fossil Pokemon work? <laughs> is craniados a basic or is craniados a stage one? Well, the fossil Cranid... is. The... Oh no, they're like a they're like a revived Pokemon or something, right? Like they're not even like a stage. Right, isn't that what it says? Like, re- like fossils restored? for a long time were restored. restored Pokemon. Yeah, uh, but now when fossils are printed, they are stage ones, and they evolve from the like unidentified fossil item card. Okay, but you said it was a basic, right? It is a basic. So it's not craniados. What is? I'll read me the flavor text one more time. Sure. It immediately headbutts anyone that makes eye contact with it. Its skull is massively thick. Massively. I mean, that sounds like Craniados, but Craniados isn't a basic as far as I know. And what a, a Rhyhorn? But no, Rhyhorn has the horn, so it's not really using its skull. All right, what set is the card from? I need a little bit more here. It is from Black and White Next Destinies. Are Craniados from Black and White Next Destinies? Now I'm like kind of stuck on this. I'm still stuck on No, there's no, it's not Craniados. 
don't know if there was fossil Pokemon back then in black and white. I don't even remember. <laughs> there's been fossil Pokemon since base set. No, no basic sorry. black there's and white next Destiny. Next Destiny was, was with Mewtwo EX, right? That's when Mewtwo EX. That's, oh, Azul knows a set. Let's go. Well, I think we've done this. We've talked. We've had that. We've done this before on the podcast <laughs> where I was like, that's one with Mewtwo, right? And you're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, all right. One more time, Chip. Hit it with me one more time. Oh, Come on. Oh, my gosh. The three Pete, the three read. <sighs> It immediately headbutts anyone that makes eye contact with it. Its skull is massively thick. Massively. Th- All right, give me an attack name on this Pokemon. I need a little bit more here. Shed skin. Shed skin? Shed skin. Well, snakes shed skin. But I don't think there's a snake with a skull that is headbutting anything. This one is tough to be honest. I don't actually know what this is. Cranidos? No, hang on. It's not my guess. It's not my guess. <laughs> Thinking out loud. I have no clue. I have no clue to be a uh, Cranidos. Going with the Cranidos and Cranidos. There's no way it's Cranidos. <laughs> is incorrect. Yeah. I knew. What is this? It is. I'm actually not 100% sure if we have had a card with this Pokemon on it before on Guess That Flavor Text. We maybe have, but it is Scraggy. Oh my gosh. Little, little Scraggy. Look at him. Scraggy pants, scraggy. There's his skin, one... though, right? Oh, that makes sense. The Why pants... is his... Yeah, that's yeah, I would have never got He's shedding the skin. <laughs> and in the video game, I believe it has the ability shed skin as well. So anyone out there playing along at home maybe got this one with the shed skin hint. Scraggy out here mid-skin uh, shed um, <laughs> with a massive head. Yeah, yeah what is it, massively thick skull. This, is, this, this Pokemon just feels like the leftovers of a bunch of ideas. Like... Somehow, like, has a massively thick skull, is like part snake. Like, yeah, it's just like a leftover of a bunch of Pokemon ideas for sure. On kind of looks like webs- a human, like, yeah. On the website, we use PKMN cards to like view cards and stuff like that. People can make accounts and comment on their cards. And there's one comment on Scraggy here, and it just says, 11 years ago, bro fist. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> yeah i guess so he makes <laughs> eye contact with you he's just gonna headbutt you he's just gonna headbutt you, you he's coming at you don't look at scraggy i started here first you run to a i actually looked at um what the uh cards oh what card was it um people have gone and like commented on cards and stuff on pkmn cards it wasn't this one like oh, wait, been once we've that done the... oh really <laughs> yeah yeah i like went back and looked at one like a couple days after the episode and people had like commented on it pretty funny <laughs> uh no i don't see one here all right well we can oops we can move on to the world championships so worlds is coming up in just a couple weeks what we're gonna do this week is talk about each of the top 10 or so decks give kind of our opinions on them um what we think about each of them some of the tech cards we think could be good whether or not we think a deck could be a good play and then next week we're going to do a tier list and kind of rank every deck do our world's tier list and think about where we want everything to be and how um uh like some do some of our predictions as well like the stuff of like what region we think is going to win what deck we think is going to win all those type of things how many 
Maridon are going to be in <laughs> top eight or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, Azul, you ready to hop in and talk about some of these decks? I guess before we do that, do you have any kind of just like overall thoughts on the health of the current metagame? What do you think? Is this a good meta right now? It's kind of whatever, to be honest. I just like the decks the overall, like all the decks, like, like I said, Battle VIP Pass feels like the worst offender with this as well. It's just like it's not going feel that enjoyable to Pokemon doesn't feel like truly unenjoyable, but a lot of the decks feel like like all they're all tempo based. Like everything is just kind of based off tempo. And there's like besides Guard War, like there's no real build up to late game. And maybe that's one of the appeals of Lost Home Garatina, actually, and that's why it's been so popular. Because there is like a little bit more of playing towards a, a kind of a late game where you disrupt your opponent and try and make the make a comeback through the through the Garatina, how powerful the Garatina can be in the late game. So what we're going to use for this is we're going to be using Trainer Hill's meta analysis tool, and we're going to look at each of the uh, the top decks for every tournament. The date range we're using is you know standard format tournaments with minimum of thirty players on the play limitless platform, ranging from the day after NAIC to now. So how the meta has kind of evolved after NAIC. Obviously, the online meta game is not a perfect representation of what we would expect to see at the World Championships, but it does kind of give us a ballpark of what the general Pokemon player base is kind of thinking about. So how people are feeling. We're going to look. You want to do like the past seven day side or you want to do the overall side? What do you think? Maybe past seven days. I think that'd be the best place to start. And as you mentioned, it lost zone Giratina up at the top. So this deck went from something that was basically not at all talked about pre NAIC. It was played a little bit at NAIC, didn't see the most success. Henry Brand has been posting his lost Tina propaganda. And uh, <laughs> Kyle Sablehouse made a decent run at NAIC with the deck. But now it's sitting as one of the top decks in the meta. I've seen tons of posts of people topping their League Cups with it, winning some League Cups. It's done really well in online events as well. And it, as the last seven days, is a 12.7% meta share, the number one deck online why you kind of i guess touched on why you feel like people were drawn to this deck but you've also been a pretty staunch hater of this deck like you've been pretty <laughs> outward about your disdain for this archetype do you still kind of feel the same way as in the current meta i'm still not every time i go back to it like obviously like i can be wrong on things right and with how popular and successful it's been in you know locals online tournaments i was like well i gotta go back and try it right like if I am wrong, right? And it's fine to be wrong, and I'd be fine if I was wrong, but I go back and play the deck, and it's just like, dude, it just feels as awful to play as it did the last time I played it. And yeah. um, I guess, like, the one thing I'll talk to is I think I like the no cross-switcher builds. I know that's what the and, uh, Henry Brand has been pushing in his propaganda has been the cross-switcher build, but I definitely think I like the no cross-switcher build. It's just a little bit more... Uh, feels a little bit more consistent about getting through your deck. You're not relying on hitting two cross switchers to be able to get like another switch card going. Instead, you just replace the cross switchers for like more switch cards and like nest balls and stuff like that. So that's my one take on the deck. But besides that, I'm still not a big fan of it. But uh, it it does keep doing well. So um, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. But if I can beat it, if I feel like I beat it with every other deck that I, I'm playing with, then I, I hope a lot of people show up, show up to worlds with it. That's uh, yeah my opinion. And I mean, we'll talk more about what our actual like meta share predictions are next weekend. Yeah. Or next week on the podcast. But I mean, this deck has also like in addition to these online events, there's a whole nother factor to worlds, right? 
all the Asian players, players from Korea and Japan and everywhere else in Asia that we like, you know, probably don't participate in these events as much. There's obviously some Japanese players that play in these tournaments, but um, they like Lost Tina in Lost Tina has been (laughs) extremely popular in Japan specifically for, you know, a long time. So I I would expect it to have a decent world's meta share. Um, I'm also just like not super crazy on the deck, to be honest. Like I've played it a little bit as well. And I've watched um, uh, some streams the last couple of weeks. And I remember watching it was James Cox was streaming and he played against a lost Tina. He was playing Arceus Giratina, I think, at the time. And he like Iono, he was in like a terrible position at the beginning of the game. And then he Ionoed the guy and to, to like four cards or something like that. And the guy just dead drew the rest of the game and just and James even said, like, you whiff every single time here, you know, like he, like as someone who has played the deck a bunch, he just kind of knows like <laughs> you you get Iona to four in the mid game based on the way he played it and like what he had in the discard pile in the loss zone. It's like there's just no good hits, really, like a very low odds get out of this Iono. Um, so, I mean, if Arceus decks continue to rise in popularity, which is kind of the biggest player of Iono right now it feels like it could be tough for, for lost Tina. Yeah. Not looking great for lost Tina. Um, or it doesn't feel good for lost Tina. I guess it is looking good for lost Tina to be honest yeah. somehow. In our opinion. Um, uh, next one to talk about is probably the Chi and Pao. And I think there's two main ways people are playing this right now. It's like, there's the turbo build pokey stops, cross switchers, which I feel like is like the build that gets talked about more and more hyped. But when you look at results, it's always like the more straightforward, like gimmicks i guess is the best way to put it no gimmicks type of builds that you see having the most success like that was the highest placing list at naic um there's a couple lists at the most recent late night tournament i believe shintaro was one of them not quite in top eight but just outside of it and both of the lists were just like lost city builds with four iridas some ionos you know a little bit more uh substance to them i guess um and so yeah no matter how much i hear about the more aggressive cross switchers and canceling clone combo type builds, the lost city, the slower loss, the seemingly slower lost city type builds seem to always have the more success. Um, I think that, that like being the more turbo ish build with pokey stuff, I don't actually like, in, I don't think it increases your percent chance of getting like turned to back caliber by very much. Both decks are pretty good at doing that. Um, you just get like a maybe higher chance of a more early canceling cologne play on the Manaphy, but that seems to be all you kind of get out of playing all the shenanigans. Yeah, I just don't really get how Arceus has become the like inclusion for most people. Like, I mean, I get it, it's good, I mean, it, <laughs> it sets up your backscalibur and it's good in the combo list with the cross switchers and the, the, the canceling cologne, right. But yeah. I just think Palkia is overall so much nah. more consistent. You're, you're not a fan of the Palkia? I, I mean, Starbirth is just better, I think. I think as consi- as far as consistency goes, Starbirth is better. Palkia just allows you to play when your opponent KOs your Baxcalibur, I feel like. But it doesn't really offer anything besides that. Like, that's all it offers. I mean, that's a the deck is pretty consistent without Arceus at getting turn two yeah. Baxcalibur. Arceus is a good attacker into the Lost Box matchups, though. Sure, that's so like is Palkia. Thing. Not nah, weak to lightning. You just get Raikou. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it like survives. Like it gives you something. You to, know what's like, even better though, like... as an attacker, Luminion. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. You still have to something up afterwards. You know, though. like Backscalibur is a good attacker into Lockbox. <laughs> Backscalibur is a sick attacker into Lockbox. Yeah. I don't know. I've played a decent bit with like a Palkia build. 
um, that I like a lot. And I think I, I'm a big fan of Palkia in the deck, but I understand the appeal, the allure of the Arceus V star. <laughs> um, but in Arceus stuff will probably overall be more popular. But I'm yeah, I'm I'm personally a big fan of Palkia. That's what I, I almost played that to my League Cup the other weekend. I kind of wish I had, to be honest. Did you play instead? What'd you play? Lost again? Tina. Or not mm. Lost Tina, uh Arctina, Arctina. Arctina, Arctina, okay. Um another build. Another deck has got a couple different builds. The Lost Box, Turbo, Kyogre. Do you have an opinion on that one, Chip? More turbo versus Kyogre, I guess. Yeah, I think that you might actually need Kyogre right now. It's like a I don't know. I mean, Kyogre in theory is worse against Iono than maybe the turbo build would be. Yeah. But you just the draw of Kyogre is so high and like you're never out of a game when you have Kyogre, it feels like <laughs> um, it's kind of the same thing. And you can kind of like you can play to only ever getting Iona to four, which is not great, but you can play to that happening where. You know, it's similar to how you would play around Roxanne against Mew, right? For a long time where you would just take two prizes and then never take um, another prize until you were going to Kyogre at the end of the game. So they couldn't ever Roxanne you. So the worst they could do is judge you and you could always kind of still maintain and get out of that. Like if you can do that, you just need to last for long enough to get to the point where they have one prize left, but you can Kyogre for the game. And, you know, um Lugia is a little bit on the down, which was always kind of a tougher matchup for the Kyogre build. So that'd be um, the reason to play the Kyogre, I feel like, is the Lugia matchup. Because, like, the more turbo build has a worse Lugia matchup. So, if you're... If you're a slight Lug chance in the Lugia matchup with Kyogre compared to the other build, but... I mean, I think it's like a D... It's like an okay matchup if you have the Ogre. It's still tough. It is tough. Especially if they have all the gimmicks, you know, like the Serena and stuff, but... yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the main reason to play the Kyogre. If not, then you're kind of looking at Arceus decks, and I think Zapdos V is like a better answer to Arceus decks than the Kyogre. Yeah, but you know the problem with Zapdos V is what it gets bodied by Spiritomb. <laughs> oh yeah, but then they put Spiritomb in play and get to get a free Sable. Like, like I think you actually want that. You're you're you want that trade off of like if they know you play Zapdos and they're going to the way to put Spiritomb in play, it's such an easy prize card for Sable like, to KO and then set up more damage. Like you're you want that that Maybe free so, prize yeah. card. Um. You know, I feel like yeah. I feel like the only reason to play Kyogre right now is is the Lugia matchup. If you want, no, I could definitely. I think if matchup. you're playing Turbo, yeah, I could see the the Zapdos definitely being the way. But your energy, I mean, is it fine to just be one Zapdos, one Fighting, and then you still yeah. kind of keep the like Water and Lightning counts the same in Psychics? I think so. That's what I had like most recently, and I think that that works out. Um, it works out pretty well. Feels pretty smooth though. Enough when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Then, I think going fast is just really good. Like for the Guardian matchup and the Mirror match, and even like the Lost Tina matchup, just potential for turn one Greninjas and potential for like turn two Sableyes. Like just play an aggressive build. I think that's like the, the best way to go right now. Kyogre feels a little bit too awkward and not enough good matchups. All the way down at number four, Gardevoir. So I think the first thing is are you surprised to see Gardevoir this low in the online tournaments? And is that it? indicative of where it should be <laughs> when you're considering the world's meta should it be the fourth deck on the list of what you're expecting to hit um i think it could be to be honest but i still think it's the best deck in the format still i think it's the best overall deck in the format but i i could see it being like in the instead of being the number one most played like it was at naic by like a lot it could be the the third most played deck or something like that kind of like tied with second and maybe maybe lost tina 
if uh, these online results show us anything, maybe Lost Tina is going to step up and be that <laughs> the top dog at Worlds, which is kind of a surprise, to be honest. Which I wouldn't I be able to say, predict. Like at Worlds, I would not be surprised to see like a ten, like multiple eight to twelve percent decks for the top six, like very pretty even across the board, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, I could see it. Do you think uh, with our next deck, do you think Mew will be one of those? Do you think Mew is going to be creeping up? I feel like Mew is so bad right now, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you think? I don't think Mew. I almost wonder if like a double turbo Mew could just be fine right now. And you just like high roll, don't hit spear tombs. Not many people are playing them in the online events. Like, yeah. What if someone just played that? You know, it's more consistent than the fusion build. Would How that good be is that deck? good enough right now? So that's my problem with me was I think even if you don't hit any spear tombs, I don't even think the deck is still that good in the meta. That's my problem with me. I feel like well, you're fusion at that Mew, point. probably not, right? It's I think any consistent. of them. I think even DC Mew. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe DT Mew. Maybe the maybe it's DT Mew probably does fine against Lost Tina. Uh, if because they're not playing Drapion. Lost Tina was always a really hard matchup for Mew because they played Drapion. So they could just yeah. Drapion one Mew and then um start Requiem another and you just yeah. lose. You can't do anything about now that, that. Yeah, now their win condition is that the Roxanne path, probably. But you're like you're disrupting them so much in the early game. How cleanly can they set up into that at that yeah. point? You're fine against Lugia. You're probably fine against Gardevoir. Not terrible. Um, Guardi does have reversal energy now, which it didn't in the Scarlet Violet base set format. Everyone was playing Sky Sealstone back then, so that's like the You're probably like. pretty good against Backscalibur as DT Mew, to be honest. Uh, Fusion Mew definitely felt tough. I played, ran into a couple of Fusion Mews when I was playing Backscalibur the other day on ladder. That felt tough. I don't know if, yeah. like, it's because of that turn one attack potential. I don't know if Double Turbo Mew still has that same threat level. But even then, like, the Path plus Judge is annoying because, like, getting cards off of. The shivery chill is like getting the energy from shivery chill is so important for the deck to like yeah. ramp up to those big those big numbers you need to hit to KO Muse. So it probably hurts quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I but also like I think at Worlds people are probably going to play Spirit Tomb in their deck. Like I think yeah, in maybe. online events I could see Mew being good right now. Like if you're wanting to like maybe have a run in an online event, maybe give that just regular DTE Mew a try high roll don't hit the spear teams a lot of people are not playing it right now but i think at worlds we will probably see spear Tomb make its way back into decks because it's the consideration of uh the whole world coming together for the tournament and not just north america right and mu has won like every single asian tournament it feels like in the past yeah. two months <laughs> <laughs> like it's ridiculous doing pretty Mew well has done nothing but win in asia um and that's even Killing. winning against Spirit Tomb decks in top cut, right? So yeah, uh, I I think it's even though I agree, I don't think Fusion Mew is great. I think Double Turbo Mew could be okay. Um, you think I people are going to play like, Spirit Tomb? If, if, if NAIC was tomorrow, I don't think I would put Spirit Tomb in like a Gardevoir deck. But if I was playing in Worlds tomorrow, I think I would put Spirit Tomb in a Gardevoir deck. I mean, that is fair. That definitely does seem to be a little bit more a higher success rate of Mew in the, the tournaments in Asia, for sure, which would kind of, you know, beg the question of whether or not it's worth it. And it, maybe at that point, it is worth it. Or maybe Mew's just like, and especially also another thing is like, maybe Mew's a little bit better than people are giving it, have been giving it credit for it leading up to this point. And, you know, maybe looking at some of these tournaments that are happening in Asia, it's like, all right, maybe I should put that extra time into the Mew deck. Let's see how good this thing is. And it's like, oh, shoot, this thing's actually, thing's pretty good, right? So that could also be another thing uh, as well, for sure, that kind of pulls it along um <clears throat> got a couple more to look at here i guess lugia how do you feel about lugia right now chip 
I actually kind of like single strike Lugia right now. I've been seeing a lot of people online saying that like Lugia is just a bad deck and it's just like <laughs> not true. I don't know where this is coming from. It's not that different than it was pre Paldea evolved and it was good in that format. Um, I think your guardian matchup at NAIC was worse, but I think that there's less reason right now for, and that was the problem we had with the deck before NAIC, right? It was like that it just was never beating Gardevoir because of Roxanne plus, or Iono plus Temple plus Spiritomb. Um, but now, less Gardevoirs are playing Spiritomb, and there's less of a reason to play Temple. I actually don't know a thousand percent like how popular Temple is right now in Gardevoir, but I feel like people are, you know, on the verge of cutting it slash have cut it from their deck. Um, so, yeah, I could see Single Strike Lugia being pretty solid. Um, I think it does fine against Lost Tina. I think it does fine against Lost Box. I think it does, you know, it's probably close against Chim Pao. Um, I think if you just go first and take the first two prize knockout, you can prize race them. And if you yep. go second, you can uh try to get a cheeky ko backscalibur play and hope that that's enough but yeah i don't know what do you think about single strike lugia right now yeah my opinion on lugia for a while was that if if guardies didn't play temple of center i think Gar- luke single strike lugia was maybe the best deck in the format um i don't think it's quite as powerful as i was giving it credit for and i think the lost tina matchup can be tough as well because you know they have the whatever the v-star power attack is plus like Roxanne, they you know they get through your gift energy that way, um, or they get around your gift energy that way. So little things like that. So I feel like the Lost Tina matchup is probably pretty tough. I don't know for sure to be honest. I'm not like super versed in the matchup, but the biggest thing that I felt like was holding Lugia back at NAIC was just every Guardi player played Temple of Sinnoh, and I think like Iono plus Temple of Sinnoh gave Guardi a, a solid advantage against Lugia. But yeah, there's less. I mean, Spirit Tomb is less of that was also a thing that was annoying. Well, will there be less spirit tomb at Worlds? So I guess is the question because you're kind of hyping it up right now. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, people I mean, are cutting Temple of Sinnoh. Just because though, I true. think it could be worth playing doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that like other people will. Well, come is that to what that you team. said? You said you think people will play spirit tomb at Worlds? Yeah, and maybe I should say like I think I would. Yeah, yeah. You don't know if people will. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just tough. It's so hard to predict, you know, especially yeah. like when it comes to it's easier to predict like more meta share percentages. But when it comes to like individual tech cards, it's so hard to get no, inside we'll the play, mind yeah. of that many people because like everyone has different thought processes of what's like necessary. Right. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I could absolutely see both things being true, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the last thing? We got a couple of the Arceus decks. How do you feel about Arceus in general? You played Arctina at your cup. Uh, Arctoraladon is kind of... I, mean, I think both Arceus decks are struggling a little bit because of the Lost Tina hype. I feel like Lost Tina is pretty good into Arceus decks. Mm-hmm. Um, it matches up pretty well. Just like you can 1-8K of them with Lost Tina. A little bit more consistently than they have the option of 1-8K. And you, even if you play Lee Arctina, Lost Tina is a little bit more aggressive at getting to the 1-8KO and then chaining the 1-8KOs, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, and with the Duraludon deck, the Duraludon deck has no way to KO a Tina V-Star, right? So yeah, they're coming up I short think on that. I'm not crazy about Arceus Duraludon. I do like Arctina. Like we said, I played it at a League Cup and I went 3-3, which is not a great record, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I think I hit like, um, I mean, three of my games. I w- so I had one one of my three losses was like just a close matchup against a Gardevoir. Can go either way, I think. Yeah, he went first. And so like, 
uh, I did what I think I like should have done to try to win. And he just ended up having everything he needed. He didn't whiff much off of like the Roxanne's or Iono's. And so that is what it is. Um, and then my other two losses were just absolute bricks. You know, one of them was um, I did nothing for the first like four turns of the game and then finally top deck to research and Trinity charged or Trinity Novid finally on like turn four. And nice. then the other one um, was with turn one attachment to Arceus. And then my opponent, I owned me turn one into four energy plus like a basic plus a boss or something like that. Like it was just like four, like six unplayable cards off. I own a top deck, something else unplayable, one of those type of things. So, uh, but every game I played where like I got a turn one attachment to an Arceus and I got a turn two Trinity Nova, the deck felt insane it felt like <laughs> i could do everything i could have these really high hp attackers i had good draw with bibarel and i had a one hit ko threat consistently with the giratina and i do i don't know how bad the lost tina matchup is to be honest like it's probably just close yeah. um it's tough if they path you because most lost teen or arc tinas don't play an out to path so if they just path you turn one you can't starbirth which is tough for sure um, but you have V guard energy, which can really help a lot to stop that chain of like one hit KOs every single turn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. And then you have like, you having the and potential to one hit KO their arc V stars, like important, which you have the potential of. And the disruption like carries you heavy in that matchup. I feel like too, like, yeah, I, I was playing four judge three Iono in my deck. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like which i think is like normal for the deck right if not four four like yeah yeah it's just either like four three or four four for sure and i, I do think if you're playing four of one of the two i think judge is the better four of than the iono i'm not sure about that because you do want to play you have to play the game initially right you have to sure. set up your arceus turn two to get going but yeah but you don't need I could much see it. i mean you gotta find a little you gotta get the beatoofs maybe some squavette action you know <laughs> And then I guess like the last last deck we'll we'll mention here is just the, the deck that won an AIC, right? Rapid Strike Box, whatever you want to call it, Intellion or Shifu. Uh, I personally really like this deck right now. I think it's a ton of fun to play as well. It's like one of my favorite decks to play right now just because of all the cool yoga looping damage spread combos you have to set up throughout games. Uh, generally has a pretty good matchup against Gardevoir and most Lost Zone decks. Um, but then it does start to come up a little bit short against stuff like Lugia. Do you want to tech for Mew? If it's still Fusion Mew, usually your Spiritomb isn't enough to win you that matchup anyways um and then the chi and power match i'm actually not too sure about but you could theoretically kind of trap them out of frigid backs that's for sure yeah i think cyrus played against i'm gonna look up the pika stats live i'm pretty sure cyrus played against like two chi and power if i remember from when i looked at this yeah i mean they need a lot of energy to ko cyrus look played at... against zero chi and power actually mm -hmm. i have no idea how that matchup goes to be honest yeah, but like yes, you guys are big Pokemon. Like Chi and Pao can get one of KOs, but getting through some VMAX Pokemon can be tough sometimes. Yeah, and also like like you said, they can just keep you off fridge backs theoretically. Uh, yeah, if they just go trap. first, like they can definitely do that, right? <laughs> spawn trap the fridge backs. So I can... would say though, for worlds, I don't know that Urshifu Intelligent. Maybe it is like a good day one and day two play because like day one. Do we know if it's going to be six or seven rounds? Probably seven, right? Probably seven. So you have to get five wins. So you have to get five wins. So it's like you just have to, if you know you beat Lost Zone decks and you know you beat Gardevoir, uh, Gardevoir decks, like, is that not going to be most of what you play probably? 
Yeah. Also pretty one. your favorite against Arc like Arctina and stuff as well. Like that's a pretty good matchup as well. They don't have a way to want to yeah. KO anything. And then you go day two and you need to go five one one to make cut. Uh or it might be eight rounds, right? It's probably gonna be no seven clue. though. Let's, yeah, you probably need to go seven. Yeah, five oh two or five one one to make cut. So it's like if you if there's ever a tournament to like try to high roll matchups, it's probably this format of worlds, right? Where there's like only seven yeah, rounds and it's the best it. players in the room. Um, I mean, we've seen that a few times over the years. I remember Pedro Torres saying that was kind of one of his mentalities when he played Rayquaza GX right after it came <laughs> out for that worlds in, uh, in 2018 and he got top four, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> so if there's ever a tournament to kind of do it, it's the world championships. Um, and it's that deck that if you hit those matchups, if you hit the good matchups, you're just going to make top eight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and play yeah. it well, but. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the things that, are, one of the things that have been around that deck is that the deck is like clunky. It's definitely not the most consistent deck, but it's not like that bad. And you can usually play a best two out of three as well. Like if you break up one game, you can win two. You can win the other two there for sure. So you have that as well, which is uh, like stuff, decks like Guardian Lost Box sometimes struggle to actually pull that off. So it's like a plus to playing the deck. Like you're playing big VMAX Pokemon that can do a lot of damage. Um, and as long as you know how to like maneuver the uh, yoga loop turns well, like that's like the biggest thing. So you're not taking like a, as like too much time thinking about where do I double gunner? Where do I Alakazam move the damage? What do I yoga loop? You know, you got to like be, you know, quick with those things for sure. Yeah. And I mean, those are the top nine decks over on trainer Hill. Azul, do you have any other, kind of sleeper picks that you think are worthy of maybe a little bit more time and testing going into worlds that you think have potential. Maybe the Palkia deck. That's probably it though, which is, is the 10th deck there. The like the Palkia Palkia deck is like actually seems okay. Uh, I saw this recently with that like Articuno in it with the paralysis. That's like a cool tech that I think could be reasonable to play in there. Uh the deck got a lot a better picture of the like, deck so people know. Yeah. It was kind of a deck like uh last format a little bit. Um, I think Tord kind of popularized it, but um, I think Chi and Pao adds a lot to the deck because that's what the deck struggled with was finding energy consistently. So yeah, got that now with the Chi and Pao. And you can close out a game as like a big one hit KO option theoretically. Yeah, but it's or mostly like it really game. is mostly just to get energy cards. Like or yeah, just to get energy cards. Like you maybe attack with Chi and Pao once in a set unless you like open it and KO like a small HP Pokemon. You'll yeah. use it then and maybe later. But it is a Palkia deck. It is not a Chi. And everyone's like, why would you play? Th- why would you play this Chi and Pao deck without Baxcalibur? It's like, well. I hate to break it to you. It's not a Chi deck. It's a Baxcalibur <laughs> deck that uses Chi to find energy. Where's your Baxcalibur? Isn't it better with Baxcalibur? Nope. Different deck. <laughs> and one that I'm going to keep coming back to that I think has nope. potential right now. Do you already know what I'm going to say? Uh, no. <laughs> well, why are you saying nope? There's no way it's worth it. <laughs> Muridon, baby. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's no way it's worth it. <laughs> Listen, Although, if we do, I think if there's you're... less. No, the Guardi still exists. Never mind. Go ahead. I think that your Arceus matchups are pretty solid across the board. Lugia matchups, solid. Fusion Mew is probably a little tougher. Gardevoir is probably beatable with, like, Disruption. Lost Box is probably slightly unfavored, right? Um, But I think, like, the biggest draw for the potential of Maridon is just how popular Arceus decks have become. And I wouldn't be surprised, like... it seems like it could be okay. On the graph or whatever we show for the world's stream you know there's gonna be six different decks up there for the day one or day two meta shares um 
I wouldn't be surprised if you added up the numbers of like Arctina and Arc Duraludon or Arc Umbreon, whatever it is. If you add up those numbers, like Arceus is overall just the most popular deck in day one and day two, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, maybe not day two. I could see it in day one, though, to be honest. Um, but yeah, uh, you're, hy- you're hyping up the Mariah and you think Sage and Park is going to... Actually, what game <laughs> is Sage and playing at Worlds? Is it the TCG? Probably TCG. I think so, right? Probably. They uh, played in Unite last year. He did, um, yeah. I don't know yeah. if he called for anything else this year, if it's just TCG. Oh. He probably did. He probably could have. Honestly, they should yeah. probably just give him like a perennial invite to everything, to be honest. <laughs> and he just gets the pick, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he'll make He's it into something every single year. year. He's been, dude, I hit him like three times on ladder the, the recently, like over the last week, playing the Maridon deck. He just is grinding the Maridon <laughs> deck on ladder. Does he still have the the one o flying Pikachu line in there? <laughs> there is the, I saw it at least one of the times, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hit him a couple of times. No Maybe VMAX, a bit. just the flying Pikachu V. Yeah, yeah, I've hit I've hit Sajin a couple of times on the it's funny on the ladder with the stupid Maridon deck. <laughs> so I don't know. He's he's probably playing TC. He's probably playing Maridon to be honest. If he sits down across from Sajin, probably gonna be a, the, the Maridon deck to be honest. <laughs> um, but you know what? The the bravery charms are really annoying. I will say that he played like two of them, I think, or something. Mm. Those are annoying. The bravery charms are annoying. Maridon having that extra plus fifty does matter. It definitely matters. I could definitely see it. I could definitely see it. All right, well, Azul, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. Like we said, next week, we're going to be breaking down kind of our predictions for Worlds. So if you're competing or going to be watching, you definitely are going to want to hear our thoughts on that. Next week, Azul will already be in Japan when we record next week, most likely. Mm -hmm. Most likely. We'll see. We'll figure it out. But I'm going to be a funky couple of weeks with all the travel and stuff we have coming up. So uh, if we're delayed on some episodes in the next few weeks, bear with us. But We'll try to make it work. Um, But yeah, thanks a bunch to everyone as always for the support, for checking out the podcast. If you enjoyed, please be sure to leave us a like, a review, a rating, a comment, whatever it is. All those little things help us out so, so much. And if you want to stay up to date with us, you can find us, I guess, on x.com. Myself at Chip Ritchie, Azul is (laughs) at Azul underscore GG. And you can follow the podcast as well at uncommon underscore energy <laughs> yeah, appreciate the support as always if you want to interact with us more besides that you can do it over on the uh the patreon if you're interested uh, we do answer like all the questions and stuff over there that's what we're going to be jumping into next uh good luck to anyone who's playing cups and challenges this week and uh, we'll see y'all next tuesday um yeah i will be in japan at that time at uh, 7 a.m eastern hopefully we'll be able to stay on our normal schedule next week we'll see it might be a day off Um, But we're hoping to stay on the normal schedule next week. So, yeah, see you all next week, Tuesday, 7 a.m. Eastern.